Welcome to Built Brave. Driven women sharing their stories to show others what is possible for them. Because we were all born brave. I'm your host, Lo Wentworth, and this is Built Brave. Are you ready? Hello, everyone. Today's podcast is a two-parter, and I am interviewing Taylor Rambo. Yep, that is her last name. She'll introduce herself more on that on Built Brave, and then I'm a guest on her podcast that releases tomorrow, Friday the 12th, on Better Not Perfect. And this is such an amazing conversation we both had and how we connected on different things and how we're actually quite similar than what we thought. Both student athletes, um, both going through some sexual assault, both learning how to forgive ourselves. And she has a book out called Reckless Grace, which is actually a pretty great concept about being reckless with your grace giving people grace patience you know all that stuff people say I give them but I internally I don't give myself I just need to give myself grace which is a really interesting concept we can dive into later but with that let us begin Hello, everyone. Welcome back. I'm excited for today's guest. We, I don't know how to pronounce the app, Taylor. Do you know how to pronounce the app? Was it Audrey.com or something? Whatever. Yeah, we, I, I pronounce it Audrey. Audrey. Yeah. So we met over that and we're doing a podcast swap as my stuff behind the computer falls down. <laughs> we're doing a podcast swap. And so I'm excited. This is part one to have her on. So Taylor, thank you so much for coming on. And you can, can you let the audience know who you are and what you're about? Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, my name is Taylor Rambo. A lot of people think that my last name is fake and they're like, is that real? And I'm thinking, yes, I'm married into it. So, <laughs> um, But my name is Taylor Rambo. Um, I'm a mama, a wife, but I've also just recently started my brand. Um, I also blog and I have a podcast. Um, all of my brand and my podcast is Better Not Perfect. And so that's been the the um the encouragement that I've been trying to provide to people and listeners and um I'm also a youth pastor so I have I'm wearing a lot of hats right now <laughs> mm-hmm. I bet you are that's all I mean who, what woman doesn't wear a lot of hats let's be yeah, honest here yeah that's so true I think the the um mom part is definitely the most demanding of all of them right now so mm-hmm. and how old's your daughter she will be two in July so she's a feisty little firecracker that girl has so much personality and she is also um very sweet in her own way at the same time devious so that's my daughter <laughs> mm, were you ever sweet and devious growing up Oh, I'm sure. I'm, from the stories I've heard, than anything that I know, kind of when it got to middle school, high school, everybody was like, you were so mean. So I don't know. I hope she's not like me, but I will say her dad is very much so devious now. Like they're just sneaky, but not in kind of like a bad way, just in like a, okay, what have I got myself into kind of thing. So <laughs> she's definitely not like her dad in that, but 
she's an extrovert and he and I are both extroverts. So she just has a lot of personality, but I love it. I love it so much. What has been the biggest lesson she's taught you? Man, so really recently since this whole COVID thing, she has just definitely um, just inspired me to embrace enjoying and living in the small moments and the small things. And especially because of all of the demands that I have with all of the, again, the hats that I wear, I'm constantly on the go. And part of my personality, I find comfort in being so busy because it's like, oh, I feel accomplished. But recently she's just been like teaching me mom, like it's okay to take a second and to take a few minutes to enjoy the space that you're in and not to rush through everything and to enjoy the small things. Like she is so, and of course she's adventurous. And so two-year-olds, they're, they're curious about everything. And I'm just like, let's go, let's go, let's go. And so it's just been such a joy watching her and seeing how a two-year-old is teaching me a 27-year-old, like the the important things in life, you know, where all of these time, all of these moments, I'm like, here's my priorities and family and blah, 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 blah. And then it's like, but I'm not really living that out all the time. And she reminds me like, hey, family is your priority, but you're, you've got to live that out. And that includes finding value in the small things and being content with just hanging out with family without getting up to do something all the time. And so I'm very gracious that she has shown me that, especially in the since we've all been at home. So that's been that's been such a joy for me. I think that's also been the biggest thing a lot of people are reconnecting and relearning about is just, you know, connecting to your family or your friends or those close individuals that you know, we get into habit of taking for granted because we'll just assume they'll always be there instead of actually taking the time to be like, oh, hey, let's have some space just to be in different conversations that have come out of it that have been so interesting. I'm like, oh, really? Okay. Learn a little bit more about you. I've definitely noticed the trend of a lot more families out and about and hanging out and stuff too. So it's been really good to see, but um, yeah. And, and she just teaches me to have fun. Like I've never seen just the things that she finds joy in. And I'm like, okay, this is actually kind of fun. Like teaching me to go back to my childlike ways and to just kind of like also find value in just being like, oh, it's fun to throw a ball around, you know, like stuff I don't, would completely ignore, you know? And so she just teaches me to have fun too. And I love that about, I love that about her and what she's teaching me and what she's teaching my husband in that too. So it's, it's been awesome. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that a lot because little kids teach you so much. Yes. Yes. I, and I didn't, I gotta be honest. I, at first, like when I was pregnant, I was terrified, like, and not just terrified, like, oh, I don't know what to do type thing because I have nieces and I help take care of them. And stuff. But it was more like a terrified of I'm going to lose my life, you know? And in reality, I've gained so much life and having had her. So it was like this huge, just kind of, you know, revelation, like, oh my goodness, like this is actually, she's bringing life. She is breathing life into me what I thought I was living out before I wasn't and so that has been nice as well that she has revealed that to me and just even before when I was absolutely terrified and I'm like I'm never going to be the same and I'm gonna have to give up all these things and I haven't had to like she's she's been awesome in that too I'm just so gracious that I even um have been able to experience that recently as well it just with her because who would have thought you know you learn that kind of those kind of things from kids but you do I know 
right? Kids are the, and the elderly are the only ones that speak the truth. Yes. <laughs> they have the true wisdom. <laughs> I totally agree with that. <laughs> oh, so then what in- inspired um, Better Not Perfect? Yeah. So actually my daughter, I, here's the crazy thing. I, um, I just start things at the weirdest time. Like we moved. So I was pregnant with her and then we moved and bought a house, moved to a different city and I changed careers all within like three months. And so I already don't like, I already kind of rushed us. It's like, what the heck? But then when I had Blakeland, that's my daughter's name. And when I had her, I started a blog. So everybody's like, you have a newborn and you're starting a blog. That's my personality. But what kind of inspired it was just, I am a, I'm an Enneagram six, but I also have some perfectionist tendencies where it's like, everything has to be perfect all the time and things have to be situated. And people were coming over to my house when Blakeland was first born. And I would get to the point where I'm like, I don't want them to come over right now because the living room has clothes, you know, in a basket somewhere, like things that people really don't even care or think about, especially when they're coming over to see a newborn baby, you know, but it was in that and also feeling the guilt and the shame and the need to be a perfectionist when it came to being a mom, when it came to being a wife, when it came to every little thing I did. And it was just draining. Like I was, I found myself most days like exhausted mentally just from going, I am trying to be perfect, but I cannot reach that standard. And every time I feel like I've reached it in one area, I'm failing in the other. Like it was just this constant battle within with myself too of going, I don't really know what to do or where to start at this point and I can't reach perfection. And so I finally got to this place where it's like, I have to release myself from this because it was so, I also struggle with anxiety. Um, But in that too, I could tell it was just constantly increasing my anxiety and I just was struggling with so much guilt all of the time. And so whenever I had Blakeland as well, it was kind of like one of those things where she doesn't need me to be perfect. She doesn't need me to be the best mom in the entire world. She just needs me to be the best version of myself that I can be for her. And I can't be the best version of myself if I'm constantly trying, stressing out about not being perfect in all these other areas. The people that I work with, they just need my best. They need me to try to work to be better, but they don't need my perfection because that's not something I can reach anyway. I don't think any of us can obtain perfection. It's just not real, you know? And I was just so tired of living to the up to that standard. Social media, it's like, oh, let me put the filter on this and oh I don't want to post that one because of my double chin like all these ridiculous things and it's like nobody can relate to that you know it just makes you feel inferior and I just wanted to create this new standard to go none of us have to be perfect we can't even be perfect so we're all striving for something that we'll never reach to begin with we just have to strive to be better whatever and and being better is can be personalized and it looks different for each person it also looks different for me in the various areas that I'm in, you know, between my job and my job as a mom and a wife, it looks different. And so that's been my inspiration behind it is to just tell people, hey, let's be authentic. Let's be transparent. And I believe that's when we can start to build relationships with each other that are authentic and where we start to open up and don't have to feel like we have to hide our true selves because that's exhausting too. So that's kind of where it started. And then it's just progressed from there. So. Could you just like mic drop it? (laughs) (laughs) Done. (laughs) Um, 
The perfect person is a lie. So I read a book called The Queen's Code by Alison Armstrong. And it's about like building relationships with men and how women and men like interact with each other and how us as women can come as like partners to men instead of adversaries. But they brought up the perfect person. And who do you think the perfect person is? Well, we think the perfect person is a woman because then she would be doing that. She'd be super mom. She'd be the CEO, be able to have dinner on the table at six in the house immaculate. And that just doesn't exist. And then when we compare our what the men or our man should be doing and he's not living up to it. Well, what's he not living up to? Oh, he's not living up to the perfect person, but who is the perfect person? Oh, the perfect person in your mind's a woman. And it just goes down to that where I just was like, wow, that's hit different about the perfect person. I'm like, okay, then. Something else too, like I've tried, I've come to realize is like when we do have this stigma that the perfect mom or the perfect woman is the one who can accomplish her job, get dinner on the table at six, have her kids in bed at the right bedtime. I can't tell you how many times it's like, oh, I can't cook dinner tonight. Let's go stop by Chick-fil-A type thing. You know, it's like, that's not perfection. And I also think too, we need to remember that it's okay to ask for help. And that was something else. It was like, if I ask for help, that means I'm not reaching the standard that has been set for me by other people or even the standard I've set for myself. And it's like, no, nobody can do like I can't without my husband, I can't podcast and blog. I need his help with my daughter without like my mother-in-law. I can't go work out and, you know, take care of myself because I'm so worried about, oh, well, no mom ever leaves her kid you know, to, with somebody or taking her to the gym childcare, no mom, no good mom does that. Like that's such crap. And so it's like, I can ask for help from other people to accomplish my dreams, to still be a good mom, to still be a good wife and to do the things I need to do. And so I think we need to stop leaning on this idea of if I ask for help, I'm not reaching a standard. It's like, no, you can't do it alone. It's just the, the fact of the matter. And that's okay. I like to know when we got rid of the village. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, the saying, it takes a village. And then then all of a sudden, like, wait, where did the, what happened to the village going? Like you said, like, it needs the village. And now there's no village. We're not supposed to have the village, but yet we have whatever. So, yeah. Like tear down all of our fences or something. And like, just all just be the community is like free for all. Like everybody come hang out type thing. Let's help each other. (laughs) When social distancing is over. Yeah, that's very true. Special <laughs> <laughs> Or in the perfect world, it just wouldn't matter. We could do whatever we want. Yeah, I know. I totally agree. <laughs> mm. So what has been the biggest thing like you've learned since starting your podcast and starting your blog about yourself? Um, it's a learning process and it's okay to be a a learner. I think Um, for me, it's always like, oh, I have to have every little piece put together, um, before I can be qualified to do podcasting or blogging. And it's, it's, do I need to do the research? Do I need to make sure I have the details together to make sure that I'm actually in a place where I am personally ready? Yes. But am I ever going to be to a place where I should 
decide I'm going to stop learning. No. Like, I think when we set out to accomplish dreams or do things that we're passionate about, we have to understand it's a constant learning process. And I think for me, I would get in my head and say, oh, because I still don't, I'm not great at this yet. I'm learning. I'm failing at this. And that's not the case. It's just like, okay, I can be a learner. And that's a good thing. Like it's, it's good to want to learn and to want to be better at things that I'm reaching for dreams I'm reaching for. And so for me, I think, I think for me too, it's not just in the process of saying, okay, I'm not great at every single thing I try to do. I'm a learner. It's also being comfortable with going, hey, like I actually desire to learn. Like I didn't know that about myself. You know, it's kind of like a, like I read a lot and all that. But for me, it was like, oh, these are just interests. But I think in doing all this, it's like, oh, I actually have this burning desire to learn more. And so I have found that out about myself recently, like, okay, I kind of like this idea of researching and reading and all of that other stuff, things that before I just kind of thought, I'm just doing it just because, you know, and so it's been really enjoyable for me to to do that too. Um, And also just to learn from other people who have done it before me you know, or who are successful at it and not being afraid to reach out to those people and say, hey, what's working for you? And how do you, you know, do this well? And then in return, people who are reaching out to me, I'm not just kind of like, oh, I don't have time right now. It's like, yeah, let me tell you all my secrets because I want you to be successful too, you know? And so just learning from other people and each other and even from myself. So that's definitely been something I've come to realize about myself, which in a weird way, it's like, who wants to, who says that? But I'm guess I'm the weirdo who's like in that boat. <laughs> so it's definitely what I've been learning about myself in the process of blogging and the podcast and writing my book and all those things. So it's been crazy, but it's been good crazy. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm in that boat with you, <laughs> the weird person boat who wants to learn. I think there are a lot more people out there that are but it's just interesting like the things you learn about to expand your mind I mean a lot of it was just curiosity and then I think I was younger I heard or I read um an article or something that came out about Alzheimer's and they were studying this uh convent with a bunch of nuns who are way up in their 80s and 90s and all sharp as a whip And they discovered each year they would all pick something new to learn with each other. So that year they were learning to play chess. And that since you're challenging yourself to learn something new, it keeps your brain healthy. So I'm like, all right, well, I don't need anything more to convince me to (laughs) learn stuff. Now it's like, what's new? Yeah, no, that's I. That's so cool. Like I, I think there's so much value in that. You know, like just discovering. Like, and I think we discover things about ourselves outside of that when we do start to learn. Like, we notice that we are capable of doing so much more than we thought we actually could because we're not limiting ourselves to our own knowledge. You know, we're starting to expand that and go, okay, I think I can do this. Like, and I feel like that builds some confidence too. It definitely has for me. It's like okay, I'm not great at this, but I'm trying and I will get better. And I feel confident that I can at least take what I have and continue to push forward with that. So I definitely um, think there's a lot of value in, in having that mindset. And I also think as an athlete, that's just ingrained in you. And what I've traditionally seen is a lot of athletes, it's like, 
we've got so focused because you were a college basketball player. I played basketball until I had my second knee surgery in high school. And then I was like, well, maybe something bigger than myself is telling me I shouldn't, I should let, let my dream of going on playing basketball to the side. But that was just one of the things, you know, we forget how many years of practice we've put into that to then when things shift and that's not our focus, then it's just like everything we do is like, oh my God, that's failing. I don't know. Well, of course it is. It's something new you haven't done and you haven't had years or even decades of doing this. Yeah. It's funny you say that because the other day my husband and I were talking and we started talking about my blog and how it would take me like three hours at first to write one blog post. And now it takes me like 20 minutes. And it's not because I've done anything different. It's just I've practiced. I've come become comfortable with finding my voice and things like that in my writing. Same thing with podcasting. We were like, okay, my first few episodes there, it was a struggle, you know? And then as I've progressed, it's like, man, that sounds better. I'm getting better. And he kind of referenced it because he's an analogy person. He was like, think about it when you played basketball. Like when you first started to skill, you were like, man, I am I stink at this. And then you got a little bit better and you were like, okay, I, this is the best I've ever been at it. And then you look later down the road and you're like, man, I thought I was good then. Look at it now type thing. And so it was his way of just saying like, you're, you're just going to get better if you continue to strive to be better, if you continue to do your research and and work at it. And so um, I, I was, it's funny that you said that because that's exactly what he was talking with me about the other day. And it's like, yeah, my first blog post was a struggle, but I've gotten so much better at it. Oh, I had a coach tell me no one gets to skip day one. Oh, uh, yeah, that's good. I like that. I'm going to start using that. <laughs> yep. No one gets to skip day one. Everyone's got to go through day one. You're comparing yourself to someone's like day 380,000, whatever. And you're on day one. You Go look at their day one. See what you can find in their day one. So I did a couple of people I'm following. I'm like, oh, okay. All right. My day one is not as bad as that day one, but my, okay. <laughs> like social media, I'll go back and look and I'm like, what in the world was I thinking? You know, why did that filter was terrible. Like It's just things like that that you don't even think about. And you're like, okay, I'm improving. So that's all I can ask for from myself is just to improve. <laughs> it's like that little carrot. I think all lifelong learners have is that little carrot of like, oh, it actually is working. <laughs> I actually did the work. Yeah, exactly. So tell us about your book, Reckless Grace. How did that all come about? Oh, my goodness. So I have honestly felt like I needed to write a book, but I never felt like it was the right time. And finally, um, I got to a place where it's like, okay, it's time to put my story out there. Um, so I just kind of walk through my story, my truth with experiences of abuse and just different things that I've struggled with, shame and guilt myself, um, and just all of the parts, pieces of my story that I felt like were hindering my relationships and hindering my, like, my personal growth. Um, but I didn't just want the book to be about my story. You know, I wanted to include that, but I also wanted to encourage and inspire people to share their story because I think there's value in that. I think sometimes we look at other people and we're like, well, my story's not as good as theirs, or I don't have this big, you know, thing that happened for me to share. And I think that we all have a story to tell. And I think 
that when we can find confidence in that, when we can find confidence in ourselves and become comfortable with saying, hey, here's who I was, here's who I'm striving to be, here's what made me who I am today, that can inspire people. And so I wanted to do that. And also wanted to walk with people, like walk alongside them and say, this isn't, you know, the unforgiveness that you might be struggling with isn't just you. Like I'm here with you. I'm walking alongside of you. This may not work for you specifically, but there is hope at the end of our story, you know? And so, um, yeah, it just kind of progressed. Um, I, I started writing it and I actually self-published, um, which has been even more work because I'm like putting, you know, in a multiple hours of things where it's like, I can't just hire somebody right now type thing. But, um, yeah, so I just continue to write and edit and go through the editing process and all those other things. And now it's releasing um, on May 18th. And I'm so excited about it. I'm actually excited and nervous at the same time. Because, I mean, when you're vulnerable, and you're transparent with those kind of things, like, I even put things in the book where it's like, I don't share this I have with my husband, but that's the extent of it. But I felt like I can't tell people you can you have to extend grace and also receive grace. And I'm not even showing how I did that myself. And I'm also not putting things I'm not putting a ton of stuff out there. Where it's like here I'm airing everything out. But the important things where I feel like brought shame and guilt. I want people to know like, hey, I know you might be struggling with that. I'm where you were. I've been where you are and you still can receive grace. You can still step into your calling and your purpose in that. And so it's really just a book to encourage and inspire people to walk in grace, to extend it, to receive it, to walk in love, to encourage and inspire each other. Um, it's, It's about finding comfort and telling your story and sharing that with people. And I think we can change the world when we do that. And when we stop walking in guilt and shame and we stop, you know, harboring unforgiveness in our hearts, because I do think it it hinders our relationships. Um, And so I just wanted to put something out there for people to be able to relate to, but also to go, hey, I'm, I'm here and it's okay to be here. You know, what does that look like? What kind of hope can I experience? How do I step into who I am meant to be, um, and, and just things like that. So I'm, I'm super excited. It actually took me forever to come up with the uh, title of it, but I'm serious. I, I can't. I think I went through about twelve different titles, and I'm like, what the heck am I? Do I want this to be about? And then I was like, I want it to be a journey. It's a journey, you know. It's it's a lifelong journey and a journey that we can step in and do it together. And when we do that, when we decide to travel this journey together, not only are we staying in community with each other, but we're also holding hands and going, "Hey, I'm with you. You're not by yourself. I'm walking this with you." And so that's kind of how the the subtitle came about, and then the title came about um, because Reckless Grace is actually spelled with a W. So, um, but yeah, it's it's been a work in progress for. Uh, probably about eight months now, but it's done and it's here. So I'm getting ready for the launch and I'm so excited about it. So what does reckless grace mean to you then? Um, it's it's not putting standards on grace. Um, I think sometimes we feel like, oh, people or even yourself, like I have to reach these standards. I have to do these things in order to receive grace or somebody else has to do these things in order to receive my grace. And I think that is a twisted view of what grace really is. Um, 
it's like when God doesn't go, hey, my grace is limited to specific people. That's just not not how it works. And so I'm reckless grace to me is saying, hey, my me extending grace to somebody who's hurt me before or whatever that looks like, it might not end out end up the way that I want it to, you know, where it's all rainbows and flowers, like it's all perfect. It's not, it might not be that way, but our grace, when it's reckless, we stop limiting it. And we stop limiting our relationships, you know? And so reckless grace for me is just not putting standards or walls around grace or asking people or ourselves to reach certain stipulations in order to receive and extend grace. It's just extending it and saying, hey, whatever is whatever's going to happen with this, you know, I just want to live life in the to the fullest in the best way that I can. And I think part of that is by extending and receiving grace. And so it's just tearing down the walls. It's stepping into authenticity. It's building relationships without stand, like without stipulations, without um, certain marks that people have to reach in order to say, okay, now I'm going to extend my grace. You know, it's just, it's reckless. It's, it doesn't have a, a, um, it doesn't have a definition to it. It's just like, let's just do it, you know? And so that's kind of how I came up with the name too. And the reason why it has a W is to play off of the journey because I kind of put some things in the book about, hey, we're hopping in the car together. Like, let's go do this thing. Let's go on this journey type thing. So um, that's my definition of reckless grace. That's what it means to me. And that's what I have tried to walk out in the last few years. Mm. What has been your biggest shame story you've had to overcome? Um, man, there's so many of them and I share them in the book. I share a lot of them in the book. Um, I will say one of the things that I didn't think was tied to shame that it definitely is. Um, I've come to realize it is, um, just through counseling and just kind of processing things is I was sexually abused when I was a kid and I didn't think that that would bring shame, you know, within myself. And it, it's honestly defined the majority of my life for a while because I allowed it to, you know, and I was angry and upset and just all of these things. And I didn't realize how much of a part it was playing in my life. And then when I decided to kind of take a second to evaluate it, to, to actually feel it and to go, this is real, this happened, you know, but to not let it define me and to reshape and gain control back over my life in one of those ways is through for my forgiveness, you know, like forgiving my abuser and saying, hey, this is hard. This is difficult. I don't want to extend it. Honestly, I don't even know if you deserve it. But in order for me to step into my calling and my purpose, I have to release myself from the bitterness and the anger that I feel and hope that you can experience restoration. You know, I, I gave it so much control over my life. It's one of those things where people say like unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting someone else to die from it type thing. It was like, okay, that's kind of lame. But at the same time, it's like, it's so true, you know? And when I was able to, you know, just extend grace in that way, I think it has allowed me to go, how can I use this to help other people? And how can I use this to step into my calling? Um, and so that's, and just the shame you feel and not even knowing and the guilt that you feel. And you're like, I didn't even do anything. I didn't do anything wrong, you know? And, and then being able to actually process that, it's it was just a, it was a big deal. And like I said, it took counseling and all of that to help me work through that. I didn't just wake up one day and go, 
okay, I'm great. You know, everything's good type thing. It was a journey. It was a process, but that's definitely been something I've had to overcome. And I would say mainly because it's controlled so much of my life up until the last few years. And I've experienced so much freedom in it. And I'm grateful for that for sure. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. I mean, I can definitely relate in my own story. But my next question for you is how did you realize it was controlling your life? I don't, I, I don't think I got to that place until I actually had my family. Um, like my, my daughter and my husband, because I would see different things in my relationship with my husband where I'm like, uh, I don't, I don't know if I can trust him. Like it was, let's keep arms distance, even intimate parts of our relationship. It was like, uh, I don't know about that. Like, I'm not really sure where this is going. And then in my daughter too, going like, I would first when she was born like leave and that would be the first thing that would run through my head is what if somebody takes her and what are the you know what am I gonna do and what if they do this to her like it was like what in the world you know just things where no I mean I'm sure people do kind of think about that but you don't realize how much it you know you're struggling with it until it starts starts coming out in different relationships and in different aspects of your life especially in the places that you don't even expect it to And so it wasn't until I had my daughter, until my husband and I got married, where I was like, okay, this is controlling. This is literally controlling my life. And then when I started seeing that, it was like, okay, how else has this affected my life? Oh, I believe lies about myself. So then because I believe those lies, now I feel like I can't do something or I can't, you know, dream something or I'm not deserving enough, you know? And it just kind of, it just kind of spiraled from there. Um, And honestly, it kind of was a excuse for me to go, oh, I can make these bad decisions because I have an excuse because I'm dead. Like, you know, and and I I feel in that moment I thought I had control, but I didn't. It was like I'm saying here to here's to my enemy. You can have all of my you can control my life, the mistakes that you made, the things that you've done. Here, you can have you can control it all. And it's like, no, nobody deserves that. Nobody deserves control over my life like that, you know? And so I just decided it's time for me to do something about it. And I didn't start going to counseling until probably about a year and a half ago. And I just decided I'm taking control back of my life. I'm not giving that to anybody else. I'm not going to allow my daughter to grow up and live in the fear that I'm living in right now. I want her to understand and know like it's okay to get help. It's okay to deal with the things that hurt. It's okay to feel things. It's okay to cry. It's okay to process that. But also don't stop there. Keep going. Figure out how to be healthy in that. Don't let somebody control you. Don't let someone control your relationships, you know? And so um, it it was her too that just kind of inspired that. And even my husband, it's like, I love my husband, you know? I don't want there to be barriers between us, especially barriers that he didn't create. And so it's like, I've got to get to a place where I can be healthy in order to have thriving relationships around me. And I can't do that. And I can't tell my daughter to do something if I'm not walking it out myself. And so that kind of inspired me and pushed me toward counseling as well. So, and now I'm grateful for it because I'm in a healthier place and I'm not, it's not perfect. I'm still going to counseling. I'm doing EMDR. I'm doing all the things, you know, 
Um, but it's a, it's a starting point and, and that's kind of where, where it, where it all begins is for you to just say, I'm just going to start, you know? That's with anything. You just, you just start and see what happens. And I think you bring up a really good point that it's okay to get help, whatever help it looks like. Even if the event happened decades ago, it still doesn't stop affecting you. Like for me, I was really angry for a very long time. Like if I didn't have basketball, I don't know where I would be, to be honest, because of all of that anger and like stuffing it down and just like the shame of it all. Like you're, it happened to you. You did not actively choose this. And then somehow like, oh crap, I somehow did it in our society of like all of that. Like you're asking for it because you wear this, you wear that. And like, no one's asking for anything. People are just people. Yeah. Yeah. I, that was me too. I, and I, I talk about this a little bit in the book too, but basketball was really at the time, it was kind of my way of dealing and dealing with things and processing it, which isn't a bad thing, but it was my only way that I was dealing with it and processing it. I wasn't leaning on into people and asking for help. I was trying to do, do it on my own. And so I think that's important to, for people to understand too, like, I do think that there are things out there in healthy ways, like basketball is in a unhealthy way for me to release anger or frustration or deal with things, but it shouldn't be the only way, you know, I I have to lean on into people around me and, and trust that, you know, they're going to help guide me to living out, you know, a healthier life. So totally agree with you. Mm -hmm. Expressing anger in a different way has been challenging as well. Like vocalizing it to be able to like communicate it. Oh, talk about all of the vulnerability. Yes. <laughs> Sometimes I'm just like, can I just go for a run? Can I go for a walk? Can I do yoga? Can I do something else other than speak? Yes, yes absolutely. I still work out um, even now. And sometimes my husband is like, what is wrong with you? Why are you so angry right now? I'm like, I don't know. I just have all this stuff built up. Like I'm releasing it right now. Like through, he's like, okay, you don't have to take it out on the weights. I'm like, whatever, you know? Well, sometimes you can take it out on the weights. There's a book called the body keeps the score. So the trauma that you experienced and you're just releasing it. And plus, even though you only use basketball and that's your home base and you're exploring other ways doesn't mean that the other ways are the fastest ways to get it out of your body, to feel it. Sometimes you have to take it out on the weights, throw rocks in the lake or at something, or, you know, sometimes in the middle of Iowa, chop wood, some whatever. That's where I grew up is in Iowa. So I'm just like, sometimes you have to physically do it. And maybe that's the way also for you to communicate it because you've taken all of the physical emotion out of it for you to be able to vocalize it. Because, you know, sometimes when some people get angry, at least with myself, is when I get really angry, it's hard to vocalize it because it's just anger is there. Just let me remove myself from the situation and then let's talk about it. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I totally um, understand that too. I, uh, yeah, work, working out has definitely been a blessing in disguise for me. I still can't work out the way that I used to, but, you know, I get it back. <laughs> so how has that affected your relationship with your husband? Have you guys grown closer because of it? Um, at first, no, 
but recently, yes, it's been, um, so with, with the whole anxiety process, it's just kind of hard to understand or comprehend when you haven't dealt with that, you know, and for my husband, he doesn't, you know, and so when I first would kind of tell him, hey, I'm feeling anxious, like, and he's like, well, why? And I'm going, I have no idea. I don't know what's going on, you know, and it was hard for him to understand. So he'd go, okay, just pray about it, or let's just sing worship music or whatever, and he would leave it at that and I'm like it's not that simple or he's like just think about something else you know and he talks about it now all the time he's like I was such a jerk you know but he has walked with me through this process and it's always even though he would kind of say that it was always like I'm here what do you need type thing and as he has gone through this journey with me of counseling and just trying to to heal from different things and different traumas in my life. We have grown closer in that aspect because while he can't fully understand it because he doesn't go through it, he's still in a place where it's, he's somebody who's been like, I'm walking with you through this and I'm, and I'm supporting you. And he's, he's definitely been like, okay, how can I improve in order to help her, you know, help in in order to help me. So we at first we it it kind of pulled us apart because I'm like it's not that easy and you don't get it and you don't understand me and you know you're so insensitive to it that wasn't his his intention behind it he just didn't know how to process it and I think now that we've walked through this journey together we've definitely grown grown closer and even then our family has taken some hits lately some some major things and I think even that has drawn us closer because we're we're much more intentional with each other than we have been before um, and just saying, okay, let's be intentional together. How can we improve as individuals and also grow together in this? Because when you commit to, to someone, you, that's what you commit to. It's no longer me and you, it's it's us together and how we can continue to walk that out. So um, it was a struggle at first. I mean, um, it put some strain on our marriage, but now we're so much better because of it. So it's been a process for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, you guys are learning a different way of communicating. And I'll refer back to the book that I read, men are very singular focused. So he was wanting to fix it for you, but he didn't know how to fix it. And so it's not that he was being a jerk. It's just he didn't know what to do. And you weren't able to communicate to him being like, I don't like sometimes it's like you just want space to be held and you weren't able to do that. So it was just like learning that communication. So it's just really interesting for me to like witness you sharing that story and seeing like all the dots being connected. And and then you have two different people with two completely different backgrounds, you know, coming together, trying to figure out how to work together. And that alone takes time, you know, not to mention now you add in more things that we're starting to experience together. And it's like, okay, you're doing great. I'm over here losing my mind. Where's the happy medium here? And so it just takes a while. Like nobody steps into it and you both have it figured out. Like we're still learning about each other too, you know? And so I think just in that, it just kind of shows that there is value as well in walking through things together because then you can grow together and he just inspires me and in going like causing me to want to be a better person and vice versa. And so um, there's been value in that, too. So in a, in a weird way, like the tough times are hard, but I'm still thankful for him, you know, because we wouldn't be where we are. And I think we would have we would have gotten to a point where we were so comfortable with living the way that we were, that intentionality would not have been something that 
took place in our relationship because we would have we would have been content and so as as much as the hard things have you know they stink it still made us who we are and we we're definitely growing together and so um I I I'm grateful for that Mm -hmm. well it's the hard times that really connect you to someone and then shows you what you're also capable of if you didn't have those then you wouldn't know how amazing you are not you know do things that are better instead of trying to do things perfectly because nothing in this life is perfect absolutely yeah totally agree Mm. well thank you so much for sharing that story I always thank people because I know that's really big. Even when you share it in your book, it's a little different when you talk about it versus writing it down because writing it down, you don't see the people's reactions or expect that. So shifting into our final questions, where can everyone find you? Um, they can find me on Instagram um, at the Taylor underscore Rambo. I also have a website and a blog and it's tayrambo.com and it's in association with Better Not Perfect. And then I have the Better Not Perfect podcast. Um, I I like to talk to people and connect with people. And so it's pretty much email me if you reach out on, you know, Instagram or Facebook or um, I'm like, yeah, let's let's talk like I'm all about connecting. So um, and then I also have a Facebook group, a private Facebook group uh, with the Better Not Perfect podcast. So people can opt in to join into that too. So yeah, I'm in lots of different places. <laughs> How has community helped you grow and why has that been so important to you? Oh my gosh, because it people who are stepping out and like connecting and sharing their stories too and sharing their truth and sharing the things that they're not you know, that's not perfect. Like, it's like, okay, I don't feel so alone in this world. Like, I don't feel like I'm the only person because you get inside your own head all the time, right? You're like, I'm the only person struggling with this or dealing with this. And just creating that community um, where it's a safe place to say, here's where I absolutely am sucking at life. Here's where I'm doing great. How about you? Oh, yeah, I'm in that same boat type thing. Like, I think we were designed to be in relationship with people that is in out as much as we wish. That we could. And I know you have introverts and stuff like that, but at the, at the same time, like you still long to connect with somebody. And if you don't connect with someone, you're going to try to connect with something and it might not always be healthy. And so I think when we strive to connect with people, which is how we were designed, it allows us to just go, I'm not by myself. And I can, you know, I can just live freely without feeling like, you know, being in my own head all the time. And I want people to like, I want to be around people who are going to encourage me and speak truth into my life, but also tell me the truth and vice versa. Like, I want people to feel like it's a safe space for me to share, but it's also a safe space where I know people are not only going to encourage me and they're going to speak life into me, but they're also going to tell me the truth and help me to become better, you know? And so community has just shown me how much value there is in just being around people who love you and who want the best for you. And I, I, I'm grateful that I experienced that early on through basketball. You know, your team, you're 
especially in college, you're mostly like, especially during the season, you're traveling. And so you're gone four days a week. You are doing homework together through study hall. You're sharing a room with someone. You're at basketball practice the whole time. More than likely you have a class with somebody on your team. Like it was just kind of that process where it was like, everybody's like, who are your friends in high school and all that? And I think I had one I had one friend outside of my basketball team where I was like, yeah, I would consider her my best friend, you know, type thing. But other than that, it's like my people are my, is my, are my teammates, you know? And so I was grateful to experience that community because we all knew the struggle together. We were all sweating and feeling like we were going to die after we ran, you know, so much and things like that. Like we were in the struggle together. And so I think that's what's great about community too is we can be in the struggle together, but we can also encourage and inspire each other and walk with each other. And so I think there's so much value in that, especially because I, I truly do believe we were designed to be in relationship with people. Oh, we were. It's bringing back the village. Yeah. Yeah. You, can't alone. you just can't. Mm-hmm. What has been a podcast book resource that has provided you with so much value that you would share with the audience? Um, I've I've kind of pulled from different people, like different influencers and people who I feel like are on a similar mission or journey as me, and people who are kind of in you know in the same niche and who are striving for um for similar things. And so I've pulled from a lot of different people. I pulled from people who are like, you know, super successful, have have done all the things. And then also people who are kind of walking in the same journey with me. So we can say, okay, what's something you're doing that's successful? How can we do this together type thing? Um, and so while I wish I could say, oh, here's a specific resource I've used, I've just, I pulled from different people because who better to learn from than the people who have already done it, you know, and people who are doing it, you know? So um, that's kind of been, the basis behind and the encouragement behind the blog and in the podcast and just kind of gathering inspiration from people, people around me who've already done it. So who are the top three to five people right now for you? Jenny Allen. I love her. She's great. And I just read her um, get out of your head book. And so I'm inspired by her. Um, Jamie Ivy is another one. I don't know if you've listened to her, but she has a podcast um, and she also wrote a book. And so um, love listening to her. And even though Jenna Kutcher isn't in necessarily the same niche as me, like she is successful, you know, and I love too that she, she does talk about like, Hey, you don't have to be perfect to start, just start. And I'm like, yes, girl, like you were speaking my language. And so those are my three like top, people where I'm like, okay, let me go check out what they're doing. Like, how are they doing things? And I love too, that all three of them are so are willing to share, like, they push this whole thing where there's enough space for all of us. Like, let's all do this thing together. They push where it's like, I want to share what I've done and things I've been successful at because I want other people to be successful. And so I appreciate that about them too. And it's something I want to walk out because I do have dreams and desires for my podcast and my blog to continue to grow and the brand to grow. And so it's like, I want to be that. I want to say, hey, there's plenty of room for all of us. Like there's room for you to dream. There's, you want a podcast? Let's do it. You want a blog? Come on, let's, you know, let's do this thing together. And so um, that's where I'm, I'm super inspired by that. And so those are, those are my three top, I would say right now. 
I love it. Yeah, Jenna Kutcher is a good one. I just, even though she, her space is more photography and marketing, it's still like her sharing her story has been major for a lot of women. It's just great to witness and watch. Yeah, she's so good. I, I enjoyed checking her stuff out. And she's also, she's genuine. It feels like, like, even though I don't know her, like I don't have a friendship with her. She's not like my buddy where I call her up, you know, but she does feel genuine and like authentic through her different platforms. And so she doesn't, you know, I, I think there she's, she's awesome in that too, where she's like creating this space for people to connect where she's connecting with millions of people, you know, but at the same time, it doesn't feel so like inauthentic that you're like, Oh, I don't really know about this. So I do like, I do really appreciate and like Jenna Kutcher. So Jenna Kutcher, if you're listening to this girl, Hey, <laughs> <laughs> well, if she's listening to this, she better leave a review. Yeah, <laughs> so then I'm, <laughs> um, what would you say has been your bravest moment? Um, man, that's hard. I, I, I might be saying this because it's so relevant right now because it releases in a week, but, but writing my book and releasing it, um, there's a lot of things like throughout the process, there were a lot of times where I could feel myself going, okay, I can't do this. I just can't do this. So I, I deleted like multiple manuscripts because I was writing it constantly and I was in my own head and I finally was like, I have to be bold. And so that's why I also named it a journey to bold forgiveness. There's boldness and bravery and going here is all of my junk. Here are the things that I'm dealing with, but I want to use that to inspire people. And so that's definitely been, I feel like my bravest moment in, in sharing that and actually following through with it. You know, it's not easy. No dream that you have is going to be easy, but just simply saying yes to a passion, saying yes to a dream, I think is, is bravery in itself. And I think for people who are listening to this, they're going, well, I don't feel like I'm very brave. Just say yes, say yes to your dream, say yes to your passion and let it grow from there. That's bravery. That's bravery and saying, I'm scared. I'm terrified. I have fear. There are things going through my head that are telling me I can't do something or whatever that looks like. And just say yes, because there's bravery in that. And so for me, writing my book has been bravery. Also, I would say, having a kid, but even more so dealing with the toddler because that girl is crazy. She goes wild and she's like, this is bravery right here and stepping into dealing with this. And I have a dog. So it's like, what am I doing with my life over here? I'm just inviting all the craziness into my life. Mm -hmm. That's the truth. Yeah. <laughs> and you touched a little bit on this, but what is your definition of brave? I... I think, again, it's just saying, yes, bravery is like, you know, I th bravery looks different for all of us, you know, and especially in the different spaces that we're in. But for me, it's just it's just saying yes to the next thing, the next right thing. And sometimes that's hard because you have all of these things, especially me and Enneagram 6, who's like, here is how it can all go wrong. Here's how it's all going to fail. What do I do then type thing? It's like, it might fail. It might go wrong. It might not work out the way that I want it to. But saying yes is bravery in itself. That is a definition of me saying yes. And not just saying yes, saying yes to the next right thing. Just taking it step by step. 
to step out in that and say, I'm going to be brave in this and I'm going to pursue it. And I'm just going to say yes. And I might not be able to say yes to the next thing, but what did I do in this moment today to say yes, to step into bravery, to step into the next thing? And so for me, that's, that's what bravery is, is just right. Just the word. Yes. Like, let's do it. You know? Mm, I love that. Well, Taylor, thank you so much for coming on my podcast. I can't wait to see what we do on yours. Yes. yes. (laughs) Thank you for having me. I was so excited to do this. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Built Brave. If you love this episode, heck, if you like this episode, please head on over, give it a rate, review, subscribe, like, shout it out on your social media with your major takeaways and what you loved about the episode. And as always, tag me in that at Low Wentworth because I love hearing what you guys got out of the episodes. And until next time, remember, you've always been brave.